Hello friends and welcome to Saw's Talk we have a great show for you tonight Mike is here. A few days ago Johnny was working on a side project and needed to use the extremely legit website that I was hosted on. It is called from text to speechcom You can tell it is legit because there is a black bar across the screen with a small link to a tractor manual website on it. I don't know why it is there I am just the robot announcer. Anyway the site was down and purported to have been sold to Ruskies. Ruskies. The worst. Anyway now it is back and no doubt is giving Johnny many bad viruses as he uses it. But also it doesn't output the voices. What the F? Now Johnny has to use a different website called readloud.net. Also I sound a little different, good thing I am worth it. I promise I am the same robot and hey, why not hear that side project now? A new theme song. Play that funky music guys. Whipping up some ranch. BBQ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. Another fantastic episode of Sauce Talk coming up. And we have such a treat for you. It's been such a long time. We have a fantastic guest. I, I Not to just start listing off credits, but you, you know him from so many things. You know him from Sauce Talk. He, he, he's, a, he's a friend of the pod. He, he's a friend of Boat. He is the former chief of staff of the mayor of Baltimore. He was the winner of the U of I Law Best Smile 2011 award on the other line. It's Michael Huber, everyone. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Hey, good to be here, John. Is that true about the law school thing? You got, you like win that. so many things, you don't even know what you win. That must <laughs> be nice. Every fucking thing I ever won, I got tattooed on my forearm. Like, don't forget, third grade. <laughs> Pretty good at spelling. But Mike, you over here, best goddamn smile out of a bunch of, honestly, not especially attractive-looking young men. But uh, you're knocking out of the park with that smile, and doesn't even doesn't even care to remember. Yes, that's true. You, that, that was you. You won. That's an official award. You. I don't know if they gave you anything, but it was announced. I don't think so. They they made the right call. Yeah, <laughs> they made the right call. Hey, you make the right call. Eat anything good lately? So I think. The answer, I, the the answer in the spirit of the podcast is, I mean, not really. Like, I don't have anything that, like, you know, stirs up a good, you know, some place that's like owned by a refugee in the neighborhood that I've been meaning to try. I finally tried it and knocked my socks off, or something. I've been meaning. Barger and I went out for dinner uh, last week. That's probably um, a pretty big deal for you guys, right? It doesn't happen much. Right. Um, and uh, my um, mom came in town. They had a like a little going away happy hour for me at work, um, and last Friday. <coughs> and um, so my mom came in town, stayed in town for a few days. We went out <coughs> to an Italian place for dinner, and um, 
it was really nice. It was because uh, we don't we don't get to go out much. Margaret got a really uh, basic kind of pomodoro, like just spaghetti pomodoro, um, and like kind of knocked both her socks off. Um, I got a mushroom pasta thing that was good too. But I'm uh, glad you got that pasta because just a mushroom would be a pretty shitty. Yeah, I got one mushroom. <laughs> we we it I, was I, uh, we really. Broke the bank on Margaret's dish, so I thought we'd counter it back out. I also, <clears throat> at, sitting at the bar waiting, I got an, I had a Negroni for the first time. I love a Negroni. So we were talking earlier, I'm drinking Manhattan, um, and, uh, you know, I think listeners to the pod know, certainly it, those who follow the group chat know that I have this, like, hypersensitivity to, like, sweet stuff in in alcohol and so and i'm a moron and i thought that sweet vermouth was actually like sweet like it's um, simple like syrup but red yeah so it, it, it's grenadine yeah yeah and uh so i saw a manhattan recipe uh, well that's not for me uh so and i saw a negroni recipe i thought oh that's not for me but then my mom comes into town First words out of her mouth are like, we got to go get the ingredients to make Manhattans. Uh, and it was great. And so then I was like, well, this opens up a whole new world of, of cocktails. So, um, so we were at the bar. It was an Italian place. Um, my, you know, newfound appreciation for sweet vermouth drinks was very fresh. So I got a Negroni. It was fantastic. Uh, and, so refreshing. I wish I'd found out about it earlier in the summer. Um, but that's, you know, probably the most memorable thing about the, the dinner. But it was it was really nice. And like you said, it's not something we get to do all that often. Well, I'm glad you got to go do this. And I'm glad you got to remove your blind spot with a Negroni there. If you're running around telling people I have a real sensitivity to sweetness in drinks, boy, is Campari ever your best friend. You can drink yeah. whatever sweet drink yeah, you could make a sweet drink yeah. and then dump Campari over the top and it has been negated. That's I love right. Campari so much. Um that sounds great. I was in New York. Oh, sorry. I I wasn't going anywhere. I was in New York the so the so my last day at work was a couple of Fridays ago. And I um the next morning I was on a train to New York New York City for a day. I, I think I talked texted about this but um my main <clears throat> thing was just to not have a plan and you know i had a couple things i, I wanted to do uh saw kate berlin's one woman show which was hilarious and, sounds great and awesome um but the main thing i want to do is just sit in some a uh, few bars and not have have to rush off and maybe read a book and something um and I had a Negroni variant cocktail, like a house cocktail that this bartender made up, um, that, uh, like had the best tartness of like, you know, it, it, any cocktail I've ever had. It was just so, um, like interesting as a flavor. Um, so that kind of, that put me on the Negroni path too. What's the name of this bar? The Dancer. Dancer. On the Lower East Side. So I, I stayed at a friend's condo. Uh, she was out of town. 
Um, so I, ju- I just kind of crashed there and um, was asking her for recommendations on my way there. And she said, well, this is my neighborhood place. Um, and it was, uh, it was just small bar, no, you know, no sign outside, um, table under the window in the front, otherwise just a bar. Um, and, uh, you know, some really interesting looking cocktails and I went with the daily special. It was great. It was like exactly the kind of place you want to sit for a while, you know, talk to the bartender or read a book, you know, that kind of thing. You talked to the bartender? I did. You talk to the bartender everywhere you go, don't you? No, not, not, not. You're so such much. a talk to the bartender guy. I'm surprised I to do hear like that you it. don't want to claim that you'd ever do it every time. <laughs> <clears throat> I, um, well, I'm not going and sitting in bars all that often, first of all. Things um, have changed. I'm off my game a little. Yeah, different, different life game. situation in lots of ways yeah. than you're. Yeah. When did, when do you think you peaked at talking to the bartender? Probably just after, like, probably right when I moved here. Because, like, Baltimore is a very, I'm a bartender and I'm going to talk to you city. <laughs> like, they love talking to you. Um, and so I, I would be, so it was a, it was definitely like a, 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 a good match of, of patron and bartender both wanting to talk to each other. Um, yeah. Uh, sounds, it sounds great. I, 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 it's, I should never talk to the bartender because if I'm talking to the bartender, that means I had too many drinks. And so this, so you're not, you go to the, you go sit down at a bar. You're not gonna, you got just take killing time. You're by yourself. You're not going to strike up a conversation with That's not going to be your first move. I, even when I do talk to the bartender, it's because they strike up a conversation with me. Usually because I, I, like the times it happens, it's often because I order one or two things off the menu, or I ask like, "Could you make one of these?" And they're like, "Oh, you, you like like good like like good drinks?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like to drink this no. shit," and then we talk about <laughs> drinks and uh, that sort of thing. It's never me like, "So, is it fun to be a bartender? How tall are you?" Right. I, I, right. I, that, those are my examples of how I would try to do it, and that's why I don't do it. But see, this is so interesting to me. Because, well, well, let me for okay. Do you one? Do you have a neighborhood? You do you have a neighborhood bar, corner bar? Yeah, but it is pretty rough. So, uh, Gina won't really go there with me. Okay, but I I, I swing through there sometimes. But well, that that, which I mean, again, would be a great circumstance to go chat up the bartender. Yeah. And and that's that gets in my second question, which is how often are you in a bar by yourself? Not especially. When I yeah. was, especially at, towards the beginning when I was in St. Paul, there were a couple really good breweries very close to my house. And then mm-hmm. there it, it did become a thing where like, you know what, I'm just going to go over and like you say, take a book, sit at the bar. I would be interested to hear. I am very open to that. A lot of people think take a book to the bar is very bad. Yeah. But I love Those people it. are wrong. I think, yeah, like it's, I'd be interested to hear from others if they agree or disagree. I think it's a, it's a great move, especially if you're, it's, it's like not empty, but moderately crowded and you can just fit in at the bar. And I just sit there and drink three beers and read my book and have yeah. a really good time. That's right. 
I do want to remark on one thing because it like when I sit down, I I don't I, you know when I sit down at the bar, I think well if I knew shit about sports, I could have a conversation with this bartender right now. So it would seem to me that you would be very well equipped to just sit, especially in Chicago to just sit down at basically any bar in the city and have. Uh, I mean, that's a cliche about sports, right? Like, um, does that occur to you? And do you reject that? Like, I don't want to talk to these people about baseball or is that interest you or it can be two things. Yeah. I don't especially like talking to people I don't know about sports because I tend to think all of their opinions are very bad and invalid. And so like now I know less about baseball than I did, say, five years ago. But especially at anything resembling my peak baseball stuff, I did and do regard the average person as honestly incapable of talking to me about baseball in a way that yeah. I would see fit. That, that speaks, that says way more about me than the world at large, and it doesn't say good things. But that's usually, like if it was someone who was my friend, I love to talk about it because I thought, they're going to listen to me and they're going to believe some of the stuff yeah. I say. But when yeah. I talk to just some stranger, they're like, this guy's an idiot. He just likes all these stupid number stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, these are the facts. <laughs> and that's not a very good way to, it, it, it's a pretty bad way to start the conversation, something to that effect. Um, so yeah, I'm not very good at that. Now, and, and then in other regards, like I do, the one uh, offshoot of this is especially, like when we were doing World Cup qualifying, I would go to uh, places I found online as like soccer bars to some extent because yeah. I thought they'd have this stuff. And there, if you do indicate that you are – once it becomes clear you're watching the soccer game, uh, people will come over and talk to you and want, because they want to talk to soccer people. And I'm not yeah. a big – I'm not very knowledgeable, but I could – I guess maybe it's just roles reversed. These people were hating it, but I was the one being approached there. And that I, I would have fun with because I wasn't that smart. They would teach me things and tell me about yeah. stuff. And we could be like, boy, don't we both hate this areola guy and such things. <laughs> so we're like the op on the baseball thing. You know, too much. I know too little to even have a conversation or to have like a, a small talk conversation. Like I would have no problem being in a bar with a bunch of people that know a lot more about baseball and asking a bunch of stupid questions. But like, um, but, you know, it doesn't do you a lot of good to then say, you know, oh, you see the Mets? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they got that Scherzer. That's pretty good. You know, they got the guy playing the trumpet. I saw that. Oh, we love the that trumpet cool. guy. Don't we love the trumpet guy? Yeah. I don't know why I started talking like Donald Trump when I said trumpet. <laughs> um, I Last Thursday was Gina's birthday. Don't say happy birthday. It's too late. And uh, we went out and got drinks at a couple places. And let's just say, by the end of the night, <clears throat> I started talking to the bartender real good. <laughs> Anytime that comes about, I th- some of it is, I, I think it's, I don't know if hubris is the right <laughs> word, but once I get into that mode... Right from like, yeah, I'm, I'm saying some funny stuff and they're liking it. And if I can get enough drinks to it, just slides out of my head that like, oh, by the way, they get money when you keep buying these drinks. And it's real great that, you know, they're like, hey, you like all this stuff. Try this. 
that still goes on your tab. Like they're just you're just shoving drinks into your hand because you keep saying, "Yeah, I'm learning stuff. This is great." That's no, that's not the way to do it. I need to. I'd be better off not ever talking to the bartender. I think. I think I could go down to zero and I'd be doing well. But do you, but it, but you don't regret it, right? I regret the amount I drank that night. Yeah, no, no, I know, but the, but the talk, the talking to the bartender. No, in the moment and even in retrospect, it's very fun. It is also kind of a running joke because. Obviously, Gina and I go out to places, and you would be shocked to learn that strangers are more likely to walk up to Gina and start talking to her. Who who can figure out why? But this is the one the, the one circumstance where it ever gets turned around. But we'll be at a place, a, a fancy cocktail place, and I'll order a couple of things, and then somebody will be like, "Hey, seems like you know something about cocktails." Gina's instantly pissed off. Because this is the one time where somebody's going to completely, because she's, not that she has bad taste, she orders good stuff too. That doesn't happen. This has happened several times. The bartender's like, and then occasionally even, here's a shot of this for free. Try this. No. What do you think of this? Yeah. And drives Gina insane. So that's that's the best possible version of this, I think. Yeah, that's good. Because you're killing more than one bird with one stone. Yeah, the the thing I just the, I never regret talking to the bartender. It, to me, and this is one of the things that is so incredible about this podcast, and I and why I compliment. We can you just so do a whole much. list of that for the rest of the show if you want. Well, I mean, I've said it on this podcast before, I think, but if I haven't, I'll say that like your ability to remain present and engaged in a conversation for an hour and a and a half. Um, to be funny, but also like remain interested and curious in the conversation is remarkable. All while <clears throat> making it interesting for those of us that listen. Um, cause you could totally see how you would have all of it, but that last part, right? And that would still be hard enough and impressive. But, um, no, I don't know how, you, how you do it, but, but it's, it, it's, it's really, it, to me, it, it's, there's there's an added layer of it being impressive because I think that small tar is the most like mystifying thing to me. Like, which is not the same thing. I'm not like autistic. Like, I know how to have. I know how to like sit next to somebody at a bar, or you know, or be waiting for a bus or whatever, and like to have a conversation with a person. But there are people who can who can just fall into that so like naturally and like with don't have awkward pauses and stuff like that and i find that i find that remarkable and i and i i think and it's something that like i what i aspire to be a lot better at um i think part and i don't know what the i don't know what the secret is but i just i think i think it's impressive and i think like you know, sitting across the bar from, from the bartender is almost like the paradigmatic example of 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 why that's just a good skill to have, um, why it's a skill, why it's a good skill to have, and like why I you know never have anything to say to the bartender. <laughs> it could be that to, to first thank you for the extremely kind compliments, but it could be that we are in fact two sides of the same coin, <clears throat> because I to whatever extent. I do okay doing the show. I have a lot of fun doing it. I can't do any of that with someone I don't. At least, I, I shouldn't say someone I don't know. I strongly suspect if I had a stranger come on the podcast, 
I could just keep acting like this and it'd be fine because it's a show. But when I'm in the world, I absolutely cannot just – if I'm sitting like at the bus stop or whatever, I will just put my headphones on and not look at the person even though they're sitting yeah. next to me. I, yeah. I don't want to talk to them and I don't talk to them, so I achieve my goal. But yeah. when I'm here, I want to – I, I want to – I want to have a – we're 18 minutes in, and we are still on Eat Anything Good Lately. So I hate <laughs> to even suggest <laughs> any amounts of time that I'd like to have this conversation. Um, I really wish that I could just act like th- the podcast version with strangers, even if it came at the expense of talking to my friends. Because I, I think turning up my ability to talk to strangers by 10% would be very beneficial. Yeah. But I just don't do that. And as I said on the last episode, I am this age. I will never tell you how old I am. But I am this age. Nothing's changing. This is it. This is what you got. No, I'm probably not. I, I might learn how to whittle. I've been thinking about that. But other than that, I'm not learning any new skills the rest of the way. So I'm not going to talk to the guy at the bus stop but i'm going to talk to you all the time if i can what do you think of that i think that i think that's the wrong oh no question well we don't have people push back on this show it's time for our next (laughs) (laughs) please go ahead like you don't i I think when however old you are we're probably close to the same 29 you're young what 29 49? 29. You're 29? Yeah. You're 10 years younger than me. That's right. You have a... I look like so shit. What, you could pick up a lot of new skills. No. Uh, um, but I think... I'll, I'm not going to push back on you. Push back. Do Although, it. Give me, give I gotta me say, if you're, if you're not fucking with me and you're really just 29, like, that's so young... Uh, so let's do some math. We went to law school 12 years ago. Was I 17? <laughs> no. I am 37. I'll we, give you that one. We went to law school 12 years ago? Uh, I mean, in the middle of law school, it was 12 years ago. At the beginning of law school, it was more than that. Oh, my God. <clears throat> That's shocking to me. Um, Don't think about stuff like that. You'll be a lot It better checks out. I mean, I'm not disputing it. Yeah. Uh, but I think... what. Like, don't you feel like if you get better at, like, tweaking, right? Like, noticing and tweaking. So, I'm not going to become somebody who, like, one, I don't ride the bus. Like, I I don't know why I even use that as an example. I don't know when the last time. I don't, Baltimore doesn't have a great bus system. I haven't ridden the bus. (laughs) years but um i'm not going to become unless i get struck by lightning or something i'm not going to become somebody who strikes up a conversation they don't need to have right i thought you were that person no not anymore so you once were when did when did you cease to be that i i don't know is this the most serious this show has ever been maybe but what i do but you do notice things like it's easier to have a conversation when there is a when there is some kind of a of a filter between some kind of a 
purpose to it that that like allows you to put on some like a a little bit of a different outfit, right? So it's this podcast or like because I noticed a a little bit ago that if it's a business lunch or dinner, you know, like work related, by by which I mean work related, I'm way less awkward than if Margaret and I have a couple friends over or something like that. Um, because it's like you put you, there's a reason to be having the conversation and then so you can go through like certain motions and steps that would be awkward and artificial if you were, if it was just like some friends hanging out. But maybe people that seem really well adjusted and like outgoing or affable or whatever the right words are, Maybe they just figured that out a long time ago, and they're always like doing that work extra let set like bit of work to approach all every conversation conversation or social interaction that way. That shouldn't be allowed. Maybe we should like break their line. <laughs> it feels wrong. Yeah, you get to but, not feel the bad voices in your head. Like I fucking call the bank, and I'm like, God, I can't believe. These guys are going to be so fucking mad at me when they hear my problem. Right. They're like, oh, this idiot. They look like, doesn't even have very much money. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> let's, just, let's just wipe out his account and tell him he has to go fuck himself. <laughs> That's what's in my head when I call the bank, let alone when I try to talk to someone for pleasure who I haven't pre-cleared by asking them to be on my podcast. Right. <laughs> it's, Yeah. This could go on. Maybe we'll return to this at some point. Uh, let's do our next segment. You gave me some homework. We, we were talking a couple of days ago about doing the show, and I said that uh, – oh, no, you said that there were a couple of things you might want to talk about if I had watched either of them. And one of them is the new Amazon Lord of the Rings show. And one of them is the, I want to say 19, did you say 1988, 1987, something like that film running on empty. And then we talked about it and then I decided I would watch the Lord of the Rings show because you said you thought it'd be better for the podcast. And so Sunday evening, I sat down on the couch and I opened up the Prime Video app on my Roku and I saw that those episodes are 65 minutes long. And then I was like, okay. And there's four. I was like, that's okay. I could watch two. And then I thought 65 minutes times two. That's like two hours and 10 minutes. I, that's like how long Phantom Thread is. And then I watched Phantom Thread again. <laughs> A good choice. Uh, I haven't seen the new Lord of the Rings show, but Phantom Thread is better. I am certain of it. Uh, so all I really want to say, I have a one, do you have anything you want to say about Phantom Thread before I say my one scorching hot take? Um, I think we have ex- extreme wide variety of opinions on Phantom Thread among the listenership. Yeah. I mean, what's left to, what's, what's left to be said? Right. I mean, it is, you know, that we, and we've said it, we've said it all to the people who are listening yeah. right now. It's, it, it. Uh, I watched it some, Has anybody made a Phantom Thread Phantom Menace joke? There has to be a funny one to be, to be made. 
uh, Greg Proofs does pod racing narration over the women fixing the dress, making it seem like they're going really fast. That could be a good funnier die sketch yeah. from like 2014, it. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's terrible comedy you could get to from there, yes. Um, That's all. Here's my big takeaway when I watched it again. So, sh- very. I wonder why I jumped to that scene. Uh, the right there in that scene, and then where they're fixing the, the women are fixing the dress, and then Alma goes in to help, and then she's like, she finds the never cursed sewn into the princess's dress, and she tears it out, and then from there she goes back and uh, to the bedroom, and Reynolds is very sick, you know why. And he is talking to his mother in the dress that he made her. And she's standing there by the door. And then Alma comes in and just doesn't see her and walks around. I think that is my favorite scene in any movie. Wow. And I was, I, the last two times I've watched it, I've watched the movie. When I've gotten to that part, as soon as it started, I was like, it's okay. Don't worry. As soon as you're done with this part, we're going to rewind it and watch it again. It's like my brain can't even handle like it, it's it's too much pressure to pay enough attention to watch it. I'm like, no, it's fine. Just watch whatever corner of the screen you want. As soon as it's done, we're going to do it again. And I can't think of anything I say that about anything else I say that about. I think that's my favorite scene in any movie. I don't know if that means Phantom Thread is my favorite movie. It's that would be a fine answer to me, but I don't think I can't think of anything else that makes me feel that way. That's incredible. Also, I mean, it's he's like inc- crying out, trying to talk to his dead mom. There's some stuff there that'll work for me. That, that's that's plenty right. good. That's right. <clears throat> that part, that that element of it wasn't lost on me. But the, but there's a lot more to it than that. Oh, and, it's so many different directions. It's, I mean, I yeah. intentionally mentioned that it comes directly on the heels of. Pulling like the never, I right. I have bad instincts. I cannot be. This, this is why I don't have a tattoo. Is because all of my my bad brain stuff would make me do the wrong things. If I if somebody made me get a tattoo tomorrow, it would say never cursed. That would be a great tattoo. It, yeah, I think so too. Got it. You know, in the in the the way it's stitched, mm-hmm. I think placement would be important but that's a great that's a great idea i like it a lot the best i think the best tattoos ideas are the simple ones like a friend of mine and i've seen a lot of people do this since but like back in 2006 or something or long like he got just very plain very simple the outline of the state of illinois tattooed on his forearm um you know, awesome, like awesome tattoo. Yours, great idea. That's very similar. Right after I moved to Chicago, I got the Chicago flag tattooed on my back. You did? No. 
Okay. How outrageous would that be? I would have been surprised. That's a running joke I have with Gina where I, anytime we do something Chicago-y, I ask, have I done enough Chicago stuff that I can get a Chicago flag tattoo and no one will be allowed to be mad? And the the truth is I literally don't think it's possible for me to do <laughs> enough Chicago things to ever get a, I, I, I'm not going to get it, but I do love the idea of all I care about is trying to establish Chicago cred because I want dumb flag tattooed on my bod so bad but i mean see the problem is that like the you know think of the guy at that matt got into a fight with at that wedding like to that, that guy, guy avon might as well be chicago like if he's talking about <laughs> like <laughs> whatever the name of that suburb is like morton grove like yeah you know and and it's guys like that that are the the, the gatekeepers to like chicago authenticity yeah you know it's like it's, it's why the, that that show the bear is like so obviously written by people who are not from the the city of chicago they're not right? legit chicagoans like me exactly yeah, that's right or me we've lived there for a grand total of three years yeah but between the two of us <laughs> tack on an extra what six months now there you go yeah uh Mike, it's time for our next segment. What sauce are you bringing to the table this week? I'm bringing ranch dressing. Fuck yes. Ranch. We love it so. What do you guys say about ranch? I say the most endearing thing, my daughter, who just started pre-K at, at, like, at a real like elementary school. public. very exciting. Very exciting. Before that, she'd been going a few days a week to, uh, like a pre, preschool daycare situation in, down the street. And, um, the other thing to know about my daughter is that she loves baby carrots. She loves, she loves all kinds of carrots. Has since she was like, since she had, like, you know, basically the moment she had teeth. And, um, <laughs> I know what these are for. Yeah. I got these teeth and I got these foods. They going together. That's exactly right. And, um, so we said we started pack, you know, she started going to this, this preschool. We started packing her lunch for the first time and, um, we would always include, uh, baby carrots. Well, we found out because she told us like, well, I like to dip my baby carrots in ranch and we are like not a house that has the like keeps ranch dressing. And it just turns out that the teacher at her, at her daycare, like, just one day said, Oh, you have like baby carrots every day. You should try dipping them in ranch dressing and had had some that she kept in the, you know, the teacher's refrigerator and gave Eugenia some ranch dressing and she loved it. Um, <clears throat> and so now like every time we, you know, we make a lunch and there's, there's baby carrots, we put a little thing of ranch dressing. And to me, I don't know. I think that is just such a, like that teacher didn't have to tell her about ranch dressing. She could have kept that to herself. Right. What like a what a generous thing to do for Eugenia, and it's a little like, you know, I don't know. It's like, ranch is not the classiest like sauce in the world, right? Um, I think it has some connotations for some people. Um, it's not a it's not a vinaigrette, um, and uh, and so I really like that too. You got you know you got a three year old dipping in ranch. It's good. 
And then that is also then a, a la- brought ranch into our household. And so now I get to dip my, you know, bell pepper strips and baby carrots and ranch dressing too, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, it, it makes you feel good about the state of the world when you look around and you see something like that. And it's like we have, our society has structured itself in such a way that we have a place where young children congregate and we have someone looking over them. And then you see this and you're like, you know what? The right people are finding their way into that position to look over them. Where it's like, you know, why not expand your horizons and try this ranch? Like she say, she had no, this person had no reason had to go out of their way and help help this child improve your child's life. And yet they did it and everyone's benefiting. Now people get to hear about it on a podcast. So that, that's, that's my step and that's my link in the chain. I've paid it forward as well. Um, but it, it sounds fantastic. Uh, I do have to question, uh, who was responsible for not keeping ranch in the house? It's just not, I mean, it's not a thing that, you know, we, that Margaret does. I, I feel uh, like yeah. Margaret comes on this show and yells at me about honey mustard at Subway like every six months. She's not into ranch. Not into ranch. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I, we have said to... Subway ranch is some fucking bullshit. So that, that it probably doesn't help That's in true. terms of being excited about ranch if one of your main sauce outlets does it poorly. You know, and like <clears throat> you're supposed to eat healthy and everybody's, so, you know, and then. And, and That's then why I eat lots a... of ranch dressing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there was a time, and maybe this was like just like school, but I feel like there was a time where there was a lot of like dressing shaming, you know, like oh, just because you're eating a salad doesn't mean it's healthy. Yeah. Like you it's got to be oil and vinegar, calories. nothing on it, no bacon bits, no cheese, no croutons. Right. right. Yeah. Which like is, that. I feel like we've come away, we've like moved on. Uh, some of us like have. As, as a culture overall, like people understand it, it's kind of a bullshit attitude. You know, like at least you're eating a salad. You could be eating a something better, <laughs> but yeah. you're eating a salad. It's like, good to shove a bunch of green stuff into your maw. It's a great idea. Yeah, that's right. What's your maw? Is your maw your mouth or is your maw your hand? No, I think it's your mouth. It's your mouth. Okay. I, I used it as mouth, but as soon as I said it, I, I was like, that definitely, yeah, shove those greens into your maw. Now, if it's M, but I eat, it's sal- I eat salad with my hands, so it works either. Oh, um, tell me about eating that salad with your hands. It's messy. Now, when you say salad, do you mean salad or do you mean greens? I mean whatever the salad is. And you're you're getting the dressing on your hands. I'm referring to tuna salad sandwiches and chicken salad sandwiches. What other kind of salad would I be referring to? So for the for the listener, you get a big bowl of tuna salad, and then you're like, "I'm I, ready to have my meal now," and you just jam your your paw. No, and then into I put it. it on bread, and then I use my hands and I eat the salad with my hands. Okay, this is not an argument being made in good faith. I don't have to pursue this any further. Uh, I I'm glad you brought up ranch dressing. It's such a good sauce. There's so many good uses for it. And like you say, it can be very, like you can have it on a salad. You can have a fancy version of it. You can just have Throw Me the Hidden Valley. Now, we do know from the Blind Taste Test, that's episode 69, if you want to go back through the archive, 
Hidden Valley rated very poorly. Now I, I, I'm gonna bet that you're you're eating Hidden Valley there because I bet you got those little cups, and you're sending her to off to shul with the baby carrots and Hidden Valley Ranch cups. Is that correct? No, that's oh, <clears throat> that's not correct. I do think we have Hidden Valley, but we have like a t- like very small like one ounce size Tupperwares. Oh, like, that's much better. Yeah, like tiny little screw cap screw on caps um, that uh, came as part of like a really big Tupperware set that we got. So just squirted in there, put it in the lunchbox, send her on her way. That sounds much better. I, th- I think you're going to do better with the big bottle than the weird little cups. It feels strange once it's sealed off individually like that. Yeah. Don't trust it anymore. Um, it sounds like you're doing well. Okay. I, I, I approve of all of this. I'm glad that the Huber uh, Rogers residence is consuming. It sounds like, I guess, infinite percent, but just in quantity, a much higher amount of ranch dressing on it, any sort of basis than they were before. Yeah. Okay. Relatively speaking, you know, way more, probably not as much as many households, but we should get like <clears throat> hidden Valley should send what my like electric company sends and like compare my ranch, my household's ranch usage to my neighbors. You go out in the street, they just like, pay the up there. They're like, these idiots, look what they yeah. did. <laughs> okay, Mike, I think it's time for our next segment. We're going to start with a moderately fun conversation, then it'll take a little turn. We don't have to worry about what the turn's going to be. I would love to hear from you, a person who ostensibly and in reality, no doubt, knows a lot about this topic, uh, ignoring to the extent possible, obviously there's going to be certain alignments, but ignoring like political beliefs themselves. What do you, what do you think are the qualities you'd want to see in a, a good mayor? What would, what attributes would a person have that would make you think that person would be a good mayor? So it's actually easy to lay the, um, like political beliefs, ideologies off to the side. Although I think everybody listening, I hope everybody listening shares all of my opinions and beliefs to a T. But um, that, that's a, that's a good way to think of it. We could start with you're just imagining like the extent to which they agree with a certain person's political beliefs. Like for an example, maybe like it could be a zero to one scale, and if someone thought everything I think in politics, me, Johnny, that would be a one. And then if they thought the opposite, that'd be a zero. So a one would be a perfect score. And so they assume this person has my exact belief. So yeah. they're right about everything. Well, well, and what, Not and, even and going to suggest that was a joke. You don't care at all. I thought that was kind of funny. I, 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 well, was it too complicated? Did you not follow yeah, what I was going to say? I, I thought, yeah, maybe you just, I, I lost you halfway through. Uh, yeah, I, that was a problem. I didn't want to admit it, but I did not know. What I was talking. trying to suggest that the person you're describing matches my political beliefs exactly, and so they are perfect. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get there. That's fine. It, I thank you for. I mean, 
I was going to say thank you for not faking it, but really you just I did you faked going on, but you didn't fake laughing at my joke, which might be the worst <laughs> way to do it. Yeah. Okay. The Talk worst of both worlds. Yeah, go on. What do you got? Tell me about your yeah. stupid shit. Well, I mean, I'll have my thoughts here. Uh, sincere and, and good question. Oh, actually, not all that ideological. There's like <clears> – <throat> I'd say that I have two – categories of thoughts um all of which are like not well thought through and none of which should imply that i know like more than the average person and i or or and i definitely don't want to suggest that i have a stellar track record <clears throat> implementing these ideas yeah right? you have a um, you have a small sample size the smallest sample size yep. of one but it is also much larger than everyone else's, which is zero. Right. So you, you, so, you have much more, you have infinitely more, but also insufficient experience. So to any, you use, you said mayor, right? Yeah. I, and, I am talking about mayor specifically. Right. And, and, and so to be clear, were, we're talking about a person holding the office, yep. not like what it takes to win an election. Right, 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 right. Obviously Key very different things. Key distinction, although I'm going to come back to that. Um, because I think there's an unfortunate reality, um, that we'll get back to. So, um, you live in Chicago, I live in Baltimore, um, you know, we, I think we are, what we have, have to, like, kind of factor in to any discussion about what it takes to be a good mayor that it is an it's impossible to be to it's an impossible job right Run, running i've been thinking about city, this a lot that's really the impetus here like it you can't do it right you can't um keep up with the social media the pace of social media you can't keep up with you can't effectively respond to uh, a couple other elements of social media. One being the um, the variety of ways that that um, issues come in, right? So there's not a news cycle anymore. There's not everybody's talking about this today. Now that happens sometimes if something's really bad. Everybody is talking about you know the fact that. There's E. coli to detect it in uh, the water system and in, in, in all of West Baltimore is under a boil alert or something. Everybody's talking about it, but that's bad, right? There's not there's not the, the flip side of that same coin. There's not a positive version of that. And most days, it's, you know, these people are, are tweeting up this, this group is tweeting about this, that guy with a large audience is tweeting about this, and it's all, it, it's all, it all drowns, it drowns out every, or every, I was going to say it drowns out everything you're doing, that's not accurate, you become one of, you become one fish in the stream, right, and that's also not a good analogy, because you're fighting against everybody else, like, you've got all these fish swimming downstream, tweeting snarky stuff, about the city or the mayor specifically or about the mayor's decisions or the administration or policy. And then <laughs> you being 
the administration, the mayor's office, the people who are trying to advance the mayor's messaging, um, like are the ones salmon like swimming upstream, right? I don't know. I'm not good with analogies. Like, but I so think what you're saying the is the people who work for the mayor are the true heroes. Yeah. I just, the mayor no, doesn't I mean. mean shit. <laughs> I mean all of us, right? Um, and so you have to constantly prioritize. You have to constantly respond. There's a constant battle between um, effectively responding to the immediate uh, while also keeping your eye on, like, what are these longer-term things that we've been trying to, you know, I'm trying to move this boulder uphill. Like, what's the boulder, right? Like, I get distracted by all these other things that I have to deal with. They're not true distractions or things that I have to deal with, but what are, what, what am I actually trying to advance? <coughs> so that's like, that's, uh, that's the landscape, right? Um, and then in Baltimore with my, and certainly with, with the mayor that I worked for, there's another, there's, there's another, um, dynamic at play which I think is an underappreciated dynamic in a lot of local politics, like maybe not New York, maybe not Chicago because in, or LA because they're so big. But I suspect <clears throat> even those cities to a certain extent is you're a you're a resident of that city. Your family lives in that city. Like you're, uh, you grew up in that city. You have friends in that city. You're, you're affected by all these things happening yourself. Right. Which adds a whole other uh, complication to trying to deal with this stuff. Right. Because it's impacting you personally. Um, you know, so to be even more specific about my boss, my former boss, like it is uh, it's not uncommon for him to have personal connections to. Uh, murder victims, right? Every murder in, in a city, especially now with everybody thinking the sky is falling about crime, every murder in the city is a big deal. He often has like personal connections to the victims. Um, somebody was, we had a, uh, not exactly a school shooting as it's like typically thought of, but somebody, a high school student was shot like at, right outside of football practice at one of the public high schools. The school that where the mayor went and has remained very active. I was going to say, I'm following him on Instagram, especially like high school football <coughs> specifically. It seems like he stayed involved and he, he like, remained like, very, all that very kickoff involved. stuff. I saw a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah. Same school, by the way, same football team, which had a member of the team die last year. Um, and not from a shooting, but, um, so the, so, so mayors get analogized to like a CEO of a corporation a lot, like a man, which isn't a great analogy for a lot of reasons, but like by definition, you're the CEO of a not that well fun, fun, funded financed corporation 
you're you're the CEO of a corporation that's that's not growing. You know, municipal governments are not growing. They're not like healthy as a general rule, and certainly not in Rust Belt cities like Baltimore. <clears throat> and then, like, every time there's a crisis, you have a personal connection. You know, CEO of a company, some you know, plant catches on fire. That dude doesn't know anybody that works there, right? Like, he doesn't know the firefighters that are responding. Like, <clears throat> like he doesn't any, you know, but so, so it's, this is a very long-winded way, although I hope, like, uh, I hope it's a somewhat insightful way of saying, like, this is an, impo- it's an impossible job, right? Um, but these competing pressures, these needs, the need to respond to the immediate while balancing the long term, if you want to have any kind of impact at the end of your four, eight, 12 years. Um, and the reality of the way it impacts the mayor require certain things um, that like that I think help answer the question that you asked. One of them is you have to be able to delegate. You have to decide thoughtfully, right? Not defensively or or in a reactionary way. You have to decide what you're going to entrust someone else to, to, to deal with, to manage how you like, you know, let me know what you need, you know, the mayor needs to, to say, I want you to keep me updated, you know, this often, you know, I want to know if something really goes wrong, but like, this is your thing, right? You can't, cause you can't do everything. The, the, the type of situation that I just laid out, you can't, no one person can handle that, right? So you have to delegate. You have to consult. You have to. <clears throat> bring in people. You have to have a team of people that you trust and you have to talk to them. You have to like actively seek out their input and advice. But you have to go talk to people who you know will tell you something that you don't want to hear. You have to go talk to people to check a box, right? Cause you're the mayor. That's, no- that's a really good point. And I, I just want to jump in. I, this is like an original thought I just had. I think it could be a new way of thinking about this. Well, about if you have team of rivals, <laughs> I think I'm the first person to say it. Uh, sorry, I think, continue. I think that like, I don't remember that book though. I don't remember the, I remember the history part. You're the one person who ever read that book who doesn't want to fucking talk about it every day. Who gives a shit about Abraham Lincoln? Dumb. I, my opinion, <laughs> whatever. Please continue. Um, th- well, and to go back to the Phantom Thread, I, pl- I like that movie a lot. Um, Lincoln. Yeah. But, um, which, fun movie. It's not how Daniel to Day. make your fucking cabinet. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't remember if this was the point of that book or not, but you don't have to get sold with people who are going to tell you something you don't want to hear because in order to, lead to a better decision. Although there is that because you have, because there's, you, you, there's stuff you're just not going to think of. Right. 
but what I mean is like, <clears throat> you gotta talk, pe- people want to say, the mayor called me and asked my opinion about this today. You know, like, you can get six, nine months of goodwill out of somebody by picking up the phone and saying, like, I don't know, I'm wrestling with this. It seems it's bad. Um, <laughs> I gotta admit, I'm, I'm a little stuck. Uh, what would you do? You know, like that person will be, that person will walk through a wall for, now I call them in my current, you call, you know, you call anybody and you ask their advice. They appreciate that. You know, people like to be taken seriously, but the fucking mayor calls them. And even if they don't like the mayor, they freak out, right? Um, if there's like a, and I mean, unless, you know, every city I imagine, Baltimore's a, a, at root a small town, so there's a small group of these people, but, um, <coughs> where they just expect to be called by the mayor. Must right? be nice. Uh, yeah, I know. But that's, but those people ex- accept. Yeah, you, right? you don't get any mileage when you call them. You call them because you gotta call them. Yeah. There's no extra not. bonus multiplier for, right. I called this guy. I got to call every three right. days. Um, and, 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 and then, and then I'm, and I'm skipping over things, but these are important. Like you have to be in the job because you want to like help people. Right. Or because you have a, and, and, and I was going to say, or as if these are, same thing, but also this is a separate point. You also you have to have a vision for where you want the city to go. You're not there to rearrange the deck chairs. You're not there to like produce more widgets. You're not there to um like continue the good work of somebody else, right? You are like you you are there because you're because I mean and as one of the main ways, although CEOs are are entrusted with developing a vision for a corporation or, or, or organization. That's not essential, right? Like you can't be a real politician. You can't be a, that's like, that, that's just not how it works. Like you have to be someone with, who tells people, here's what I'm going to do for you. Right. Um, here's the city that I'm going to create. Um, <clears throat> or lead us towards, you know, that, you know, I mean, this isn't, um, that's not a messaging comment. There's all kinds of ways to message that where is it, uh, a we or is it an I? Is it all, all that stuff? Um, like you gotta be, you, you know, you don't have to be a nice person. You don't have to be a good boss. Like you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to or not have or, or, you know, have or not have a family. Um, you don't have to be from the city. Uh, some of this is a little bit off the cuff, like, uh, but I, I think most of it's probably close to right. Um, but like, but you do have to want, you do have to want to make a change in the way the city is. Um, and you do have to know how to delegate and you do have to know how to consult with people. And then you have to know how to make a decision, right? You have to, and that's fundamentally the most important part, right? You have to know how to say, cause like, 
<clears throat> any mayor is going to have people around them that like take stuff off their plate, right? Like the problem comes in, somebody calls a me or a, you know, some other member of a, of a mayor's office or administration. And, you know, it comes in. If it's easy, person answers the question, or the person refers them to the right person, you know, and it gets handled, right? If it's a little more complicated, then maybe it gets like kicked up a layer or get kicked, get kicked over laterally a layer. And then that person answers it, right? And it's done. Like, so then, and this is a little bit of a cliche about like presidential leadership and things like that. But like, if you think about, if you, just at a conceptual level, then what it takes for something to to get to the mayor without it not getting to the mayor, right? It's got to be tough. It's got to be thorny. And chances are, it's got to. It's going to be a no win, right? I mean, that's the most remarkable thing about what about my time in the mayor's office. There, there. They they were all no they were all no wins. It was like how do I how do I mitigate the downside? Like how do I make this less of a loss? How do I make this less bad? And <clears throat> so you have to obtain a certain level of comfort with that. Like I'm gonna make a decision. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody wants to know what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to fix it. And I'm not going to make even a majority of the people happy. You got to make it and you got to live with it. And then you got to move on to the next thing that's like that all over again, right? It's the same day. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, and, but that's a hard thing to ask somebody to do, you know, a normal, Anyone who's like, especially anyone who's like approaching normal, like how do you <clears throat> develop a comfort level and a um, and an aptitude for a comfort level with and an aptitude for making impossible decisions over and over and over and over again um, that that will incite vitriol um, that will cause people to say. Um, they're not going to, they voted for you this time and they're not going to vote for you next time. It caused people to say that you've sold out your principal. It's like whatever, right? Like people say all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, you know, so it's a little bit all over the place, but, um, I think those are, those, those are some of the care. I'm sure I'm missing stuff too, but those are some of the important characteristics. Now there's, I said, there's a second category. Right. That's all the kind of. I don't know what a good name for that first category would be. Um, personal, managerial. Right. Uh, one of the things, one of the conclusion, preliminary conclusions that I've come to at like leaving. <clears throat> is, let's say let's say every single thing I just said is right. And let's say that you have a mayor, and, and we are envisioning a mayor who embodies every single one of those characteristics, right? But because of all those dynamics that I was talking about earlier, 
They could do that perfectly. They could be the perfect mayor. And they would be viewed as a failure by 40 to 60% of voters in the city if they don't have a well-oiled messaging and political machine. So... So is that a a hiring and firing issue, or how do you get a machine like that? Ah, man, I don't know. Um, We never got there. I would. I I hope nobody ever hears this, but like, we never got there. We no people can hear this because what I actually mean to say is, we never got there to my satisfaction, right? And I expect it, I expect they will get there. They're they're probably there, right? But So Boat got promoted and you got out, and so now it's all going to be good. That's right. So you're a state senator, right? No, no, wrong. Some city council person. Again, not not even acknowledging things I say that are jokes. (laughs) You say uh, you're a state senator. I say no wrong. Don't, don't I just smile on my yeah. face. Great. Uh, Does the listener know about the smile? Uh, I'm going to talk. Next segment, next segment is going to be what makes a good podcast guest, and I'm going to talk. <laughs> you got uh, you got that. That was right, right there. Laugh audibly. That's right. So hypothetically, because apparently I need to say that. You're like an important state senator. Oh, I get this now. I understand. I'm the mayor. And I'm in one of those situations that I was just talking about, like impossible, no win, you know, high profile, um, controversial. And to continue the hypothetical, I make the right decision, right? I come to the right conclusion. Uh, in this hypothetical, unambiguously correct. Morally, operationally, fiscally, I don't care. Like, it's it's right. I make it, I go out to the podium, and I announce it. And it impacts your district, or it's an issue area that you've expressed an interest in, you know, da- <coughs> down in, um, in in the state capitol during, you know, on the floor of the, of the, the Senate, things like that. I don't call you. I, I, I'm the mayor again. I don't call you beforehand. I don't give you a heads up. The announcement's coming. I don't consult. You know, we were talking about earlier. I don't consult you when I'm wrestling with this decision. It it will not matter. This is a this is a bit of an exaggeration to make the point, but but it's not a it's not a complete exaggeration. <clears throat> the merits of the decision I just made will become almost irrelevant. And then everyone you're, because you weren't consulted because you weren't given a heads up because you were not brought along. Right. And that's what politics is. It's one of the things politics is. It's like bringing people along and I didn't do any of that. Right. I was in my ivory tower or whatever the, the metaphor would be thinking about this. And, I, and then I made the right call. I made the apt, unambiguous right call in our, in our hypothetical. But I didn't talk to people who were then going to go talk to all these other people, right? They're going to then go, you know, and 
and be the chatter in class. They're going to go to, to political fundraisers. They're going to go to receptions. They're going to cocktail parties. And they say, I don't know, but, you know, he's all right. But uh, he didn't know how to talk to people. Or they're going to say, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure he made the right decision in that situation. You know, I'd have done, I'd have done X, Y, or Z. And they're saying that because they're, they resent the fact that he was, that the mayor wasn't more solicitous of their opinion. Um, I'm trying to be specific. I hope my specificity doesn't make it seem like I'm like rehashing something that happened. I, these hap- these, these dynamics happen every day. I'm not thinking of like one. It very much sounds like that. Yeah. Like what yeah. you're describing is a thing that is on a spectrum happening with every single right. decision and every single edict or whatever that goes out. Right. Like to what extent did we tell the people who yeah. needed to be told or align in advance with the people who needed to be aligned with? And sometimes we really nailed it and sometimes we didn't. And so right. we had varying levels of success for both. On the, ba- on, on the basis of both that stuff and whether it was a good idea to begin with. And the extent to which they are both important is probably unfortunate, but true. And exactly. that if, if you do the right thing, but you don't talk about it with the right people first, you might as well have done the wrong thing, or at the very least, you don't get credit for doing the right thing. Or done nothing. Yeah, or right? just been like, I didn't and go then, into that one. Yeah. And then you do, you know, and so that's like the politics, politics. It's all, it's, it's, it's in these distinctions aren't aren't all that clear. And then there's the messaging, right? Like, you go, wh- what do people think you're going to do? What do people think you're there for? Then what do they think you're going to do? And then and then what do they know that you do? And and so, like, another way to say that is, you tell people. If you're effective at it, you tell people what to measure you against. And then you tell people, and then you tell people the result that they measure. And then they do the, you, you then tell them what the measurement is, right? You tell them what to measure against and you tell them what the measurement is. <clears throat> if you don't have it fine tuned, you do a bunch of stuff and it all goes in like one ear and out the other. Or it doesn't even get in the air in the first place. Um, and so, and this is very much, uh, kind of parallel with the, the politics, right? You gotta be smart enough to, to, to consult, to, to touch the right people while making the decision, give the right head stuff, all that, all these little judgment calls, like add up to being so important. And then there's all the press and messaging. And stuff too. You know, like some people say, like, what are your three things? Right? They say that successful politicians have their three things. Two isn't enough. Two makes it seem like you don't have enough going on. Four, nobody remembers. You need three things. I don't know if that's right or not, but I'm, I'm saying that's like a, a common, um, that's a cliche among like comms people. <clears throat> and you go out there and you say, over and over and over and over again. Here's what I'm going to do, right? And then if you're really good, then you distill it down to like one thing, like that encompasses all of your, that encompasses all three of your things or four or five or whatever. But like, 
it's who you are. And so, and, and, and part of this is like how you develop a brand, although it's, that's different, but it, it's related. Um, but mostly what this is, is like creating like a kind of a bedrock of like trust that like they know why you're there and they know like what you're doing and they may not like this like most recent decision but like i like those three things he's there to do it almost feels like it's it's you're never doing this but in the eyes of the people out there there's a certain extent to which you can be like well some of these unwinnable fights remember i didn't promise i was coming in here to win these unwinnable fights. So when I just, I'm doing this on this, and that's what it's going to be. But remember, I'm really here to talk about this. And so I'm going to nail those down. And so judge me on those things that I chose. And then also, like, if I horribly fuck up something else, then certainly you get to come back and tell me all about it. But I never said I was coming in here to fix X, Y, and Z. I am here for ABC, and please note me knocking ABC out of the park. Yeah, Is that about right. You yeah, that's, that's where you're going there. No, I think that's right. Like, <clears throat> listen, I don't. You know, um, like in, I think there's another way. Another way is you have a pat response to this thing, and then you go back, and then you, so say, you just like what correct someone in their grammar. Oh wait wrong kind of pet response yes <laughs> no one oh i hope everybody's still listening this far me now. too that's good yeah um it's you know or you just you go back to the thing or you don't answer the question right i mean now 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 we're off the topic of like what makes a good mayor and we're in more of like a bull session about it's like I think that we've I think it has been put totally to bed that you actually have to as a politician certainly on the national level I think it's to be determined on the uh, but my I kind of think on the local level seeing what I saw over the last couple years like you don't have to answer reporters questions you ha- you you say what you want to say, you know. Like, you, you, it's certainly true in debates. Like, which I feel I'm a little more comfortable with because there's a little more of a nexus to like what we did in law school and stuff. The calm stuff, the messaging stuff, I picked up a lot of it, but I'm not I'm not a pro. But I mean, I I don't know. Random example, but. I think a, a recent example, somebody asked Joe Biden about, um, like, what if DeSantis sent, sent some uh, asylum seekers to Delaware? He said, people should come to Delaware. We have a beautiful shoreline. Like, you know what that's not going to do? Create a problem for Joe Biden. You know? It's going to be like, come on, Joe. Like, you didn't, yeah, but, just, but it's, it's not going to create a problem for him. It's not going to walk into the, to whatever we're all, you know, I think dis, disagreeing, having a healthy discussion, but disagreeing about what exactly trap DeSantis is trying to lay. I think 
I think we all agree he's trying to lay some trap. He's trying to catch us, you know, he's trying to catch the libs in some kind of trap. But I don't think there's, cons- I don't think there's consensus on what that is, which then has implications for how should a blue state, a blue, uh, city, um, mayor respond? Uh, how should a blue state governor respond? How should Biden respond? Right? Cause if you, if you were trying to avoid the trap, you gotta know what the trap is. Um, doesn't matter, right? It, 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 you know, if you, if, if you say that, it doesn't matter. And, and, and I think like, sadly, like one of the lessons of, of like the Trump years is, and I think for the most part, Biden has learned this lesson pretty well is like, you don't have to answer the question they ask and you don't have to, and you don't, you don't have to get caught up in some good faith trap, right? Like, I, I think if anything, you're underselling it because not only is someone like DeSantis in this position trying to set a trap, it, at this point, I think it's clear the trap he tried to set has failed. But there is a very powerful right wing media apparatus that is happy to find any trap it can find at any point. And so, like, even if plans A, B and C have failed, if you go out and answer that, if you're Joe Biden and you go out and answer that question wrong, whatever you say wrong will be the new trap. That's right. And, and so it doesn't matter is, that like his plan, his, his plan failed. You can still lose this game very easily. Almost. It's, it sounds almost like what you're saying. Like the trap is the conflict driven, uh, um, both sides driven media. That's mm-hmm. the trap. Yeah. And that's what, this, that's what a guy like DeSantis recognizes. And so he um, was hoping that. Like somehow they would have shoved everybody back onto the plane and sent it back to Florida. That would have been the best, the, the best optics yeah. of like, see, they won't have them either. But yeah. it, it, like, there's so many ways to lose this game. And I don't even know what winning would look like. I mean, theoretically, I guess what is happening is winning politically. If you're so callous is that you're willing to avert your eyes from the experience of these, these people. Which yeah, you, you sure shouldn't be, but like, like you can lose some, this so many different ways. Yeah, or if there's something to the the like he stepped into some some violation of Texas law or federal law <coughs> or something, um, which I, I'm not validating. I'm just, but like that conceptually could be a you know way. That, I mean, because he does seem out of his depth. Like you look at him, he's he's got those beady eyes. Like he seems he seems easily out of his depth. Um, so, and I will say it would not at all surprise me, um, if they didn't think about it, right. They didn't make it farther than the college prank level. Like, and I'm not, I'm not not confident that that's right. I just mean that it wouldn't surprise me if it were, um, like, oh yeah, let's send them to Martha's Vin. Oh, well, yeah, we could do Martha's, don't them Obama's vacation there like let's do that you know like and that was the extent of like the strategic the strategery you know we are getting Um, a ways of field but this very much ties into a thing i think all the time and that so many 
people on both the left and the right present present boy present DeSantis. I don't like these conflicting S's and consecutive words. Uh, present him as like this is the scarier, smarter version of Trump. Yeah. I think he's still just a dumbass. <laughs> I really like, I, I, sir, I, I, Trump did lots of terrible things. I think he could absolutely come up and do lots of terrible things. I also think that he is extremely overrated in terms of like, oh, he, he's, Trump thinks he's playing 4D chess. DeSantis really is. No, I think he's still just an idiot, but we've seen the damage that idiots can do. Yeah. I think that's right. And, and I also think, I don't know how to, I don't know how to articulate this. There's two problems with what I'm about to say. One is I don't really know how to articulate it in uh, the nuance of, of the point. And two, I definitely don't know how to articulate it without threatening to make it seem like I have any level of like respect or admiration for Trump that I could, that I does not exist. Yeah, this I, sounds I, promising, but there, he, he has a charisma that no one else has in politics, period. There are people who, who have other things that get them to his level or surpass, or surpass it. There are also historically politicians who, whether on the charisma metric or, or not, are, he is not the best politician of all time. He's a below replacement level politician um far below replacement level but like he's in a bush league now because like we're all i mean all these people they're you know a large portion of the electorate has gone out of its way to watch too much online and television right-wing media and has radicalized themselves in a way that it doesn't take much to roll in and Get what you need. Right. But it's not, but the, the, and the, I'm not the first, you know, this is not a, a unique point, but it's like his appeal is not an ideological appeal, right? Um, and when you compare him to other, other, mm-hmm. no, uh, I agree with that, yeah. Republicans and fascists and stuff like that, it's different. Right. And then when you try to compare him to, to Democrats, like they, he has a, um, a set of, he approaches his job in a way that we just, we haven't found someone who's able to do. Um, Sanders came closest. Um, Sanders lost. The nomination twice, right? Convincingly, but he came closest. Yeah. Um, and I think I and I, and I also think there's a way in which Biden's like Biden is constantly being measured against this new standard that Trump set. Like Biden's best moments, even like by us, like by our thinking, are like when he's off the cuff, when he's punching. When he's, um, clearly not like going on like the talking points, right? Like, and, um, 
or when he's like kind of treating, you know, when he's belittling uh, Steve Ducey's son, right? Like, you know, that's a, that's like a Trump, that's a Trump bar, right? Like that's a, and, and, and like, I don't think, I don't think there's like any moral implications to what I'm saying. I, if there are, I'm, I'm willing to wrestle with them and deal with it. Like I'm, and be pushed on them. But I, I think I'm only making a stylistic point. Um, I only mean it as a stylistic point, certainly. Um, but like I say, I, I welcome any like any accountability on on if there are any moral implications to what I'm saying. But like, um, I don't know. It's just it, the game changed. Like it just it's and and if you know how to talk to people, like, and not sound like a dweeb, and not sound like a politician, like you're on your way, you know? And I think that's a 2016 lesson. And it's not just Trump. It's also Sanders. But it's, but that, that, that's the world we're in. I, the only thing I'll push back on there specifically talking about this right now, I don't, they all still sound like they talk like politicians. I feel like there's still a lot of ground to make up here. What happens if, is it is it an in between? Is it is this our natural end where we're going to push so far away from talking like politicians that we're going to get some Twitch streamer who shows up and is like, no, I really do not talk like a politician, because even Donald Trump still sounds a lot like a politician when he gives a big speech at a rally to me. Do you disagree with that? You can disagree with that. No, no, all of this is within certain. It, that, but I mean, it feels like Trump has blown out like the the, the range that you could possibly be in. But so it, 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 he just—I mean—and I often think that he might just be specifically perfect, and that we should not be over concern ourselves about others, and that the only real enemy is Trump because he just by accident nailed everything so perfectly. But it might so, also be that, like, no, we can just do this again. And yeah. you can just say, throw, even the even <clears throat> Trump is too restrained and he's fucking up when he does that. And if you push it even harder, you'll win even harder. My most, more, more, most often, I think the former. Okay. Most often, I think he is this perfect mix. That's, yeah, of, I, I think I agree with us. Of charisma, circumstance, uh, ideology, all kinds of stuff in this cocktail. This is really bad luck <laughs> that this happened to happen this way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now I don't think, again, totally happy to be pushed on, on this. I don't think that makes me or us like sanguine about the threat. Right. Like, it's not the same thing as, as taking, is not taking the threat seriously. Because I also do, I mean, just to, to be plain about it, like, I think that everything I, I mean, everything I care about, like, politically, is, um, under threat. And more often than not, I'm very pessimistic 
yeah. about its prospects for um, for being their prospects for being sustained. Basic the basic, you know, cosmopolitan liberal democracy uh, type beliefs that I hold very dear. I think are uh, that I know they're under threat, and I think they're not likely to to last. But that's just not the same thing as saying that you think that Tom Cotton can be the president of the United States because, like, he's a dork. Ron DeSantis is a dork. Uh, uh, Josh Hawley is a dork. Um, Ben Sass, Sassy, Sass is a dork, right? Like, and they're not going to win this Republican <laughs> nomination. And um, and they got and they don't have any of the characteristics. They got Trump elected. Mm-hmm. They only have the they have the ideology, and then they have some of the learned behavior, right? But it's like it's like when like an eight year old tries to adopt the um, the behavior of his older brother, right? It's bullshit. You see through it. It's it's laughable, right? Like that's when Ted Cruz goes on some talk radio show and makes his little jokes that he does now. Like the, these student loan people need to put down; they're going to put down the bong and vote. It's like we know these are yeah. not your real right. thoughts. You were just trying to sound like someone you have nothing in common with, right? And, and like nobody thinks dude. that's funny, yeah. right? And you, and, the, and you don't sound cool when he, you do it. And, right. and Trump doesn't sound cool to me, but he sounds cool to a lot of people, right? Now, people laugh at that joke, right? Because, but you probably went to, you know, people laugh at stupid jokes, right? Mm-hmm. My whole youth was like, you were in church and, and the, the pastor makes some stupid joke or the Sunday school teacher makes some stupid joke and everybody laughs, right? Because, so they laugh at Ted Cruz's joke, but they're not going to like, like go, get into like bloody hand-to-hand combat at the Capitol for uh, like, you know, a youth pastor, right? Yeah, they're not going to go fight for him. But if you had to bet, I feel like I die at the hands of a Trump supporter. What do you mean? I mean, that's coming for me. That's where this is headed. Oh, I didn't know if you meant if that was a prediction or if that was a statement of, of like I would be willing Oh, I, I have no interest in that, but I think that's yeah. where we're headed. <clears throat> I, I, I think, I mean, they can I hope take not. Us, I don't want right? to do that. I want, I want yeah. to live forever, but I know more likely Trump guy kills me because I'm not nice. No, I mean, more, more likely a Trump guy kills you and it's a cop and it's some interaction uh, under like law enforcement auspices. Um, But it's all tied up in the same fucking shit. Yeah. Well, we got off track. Let me tell you. You you do your summation. Go for it. Very long way of saying that I said all those things about what I think it takes to be a good mayor. Again, probably left a few things out. Probably dead wrong about a couple of other things. But if, <clears throat> if you don't have a, like a, uh, almost like cynical, 
politics and messaging apparatus on top of all that good governance stuff, you might as like you might for in terms of percept like public perception, you might as well not do it. And that's sad. Um, it flies in the face of a lot of what we want to be true, and it also flies in the face of what the type of people who would make who fit those characteristics that I laid out at the beginning would aspire to. But it's just the way it is. Like that's the profession. Um, and so you have to have all those personal characters, man, like, you know, leadership qualities and stuff, but you also got to have an operation. I think, it, I think it's a strong point of view and that's the kind of thing we wanted to hear uh, when we brought this up. Now, I am going to note that if you recall, we're not doing less. We've gone on too long. But I told you when we started that the, the, the thing we just did, that was the smallest side on its way to the main segment. <laughs> and so we're not doing less. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I, 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 I enjoyed the conversation, so I wanted to go down that road. And so perhaps maybe on your next visit we can do this. Here is the actual segment I wanted to do. Rank everyone in the group as far as who would be a good and bad mayor. Don't do not start trying to do it, but now based on our conversation today maybe the next time you come on. And I was it was not really rank I was going to ask for like a top 2 or 3 in each direction. Like a top 2 or 3 and a bottom 2 or 3. I could do it. If you think you can do it, I'll hear it. I can do it. So. And you're, you can assume like whatever connection to the city you need to assume since it's yeah, no, obviously like, it's unfair you, to be like, well, Dave lives in Portland and that's far from Baltimore. So he's the worst. Dave would be a good um, city manager. Like Tell Dave me about the city manager good, role. Like a chief operating officer. Okay. Of the city, right. Dave would be a good like. um you know, uh, cabinet, like I, I lead this department and I do it, you know, it's not political, uh, which is not the same thing as saying that Dave doesn't have politics, like his own, but it's like, you know, by the book, I've saved the city X amount of dollars. I've fostered, you know, all this. like that Dave would, but Dave is not someone I, um, I would identify as that top two or three. I would say Dylan. I would say, because I, I, yeah, I would say Dylan, I'd say Paul, and I'd say, I, I, I'm going to try to not like over, like think about this too much. I'm sure that I'm mixing this up, but I would say Dylan, Paul, and like, I think I'd say Yordi. Speak on Yordi. So... Number one, I spent a long time talking about how you got to consult with people. You know what people want the mayor to do? It's get really close to their face and talk to them about exactly what he's thinking. But if he's Charlie thinking is thinking about like Stalingrad, though. Yeah, but if like, he were mayor, he would be forced to be thinking about these other things. It feels right? like this we new mayor have- really wants us to... Go to Stalingrad. That's we, weird. 
but we want our mayors to have quirks and we want our mayors to have hobbies. Right. Fair, and so, fair. so, Hey, the mayor just talked to me for 15 minutes about like medieval, like hand to hand combat strategy. It was kind of weird, but it was also like, he's the mayor and he was like, so he, he knew a lot about it. He knew the like, first name of the wench who was serving mead. It was amazing. <laughs> Her name right. was Stacy. Right. I could do a, I could do a lot with the mayor that goes to the to uh, the Renaissance fair every year. Like I, you so know, you, you're thinking like up. you might be boat right now if we could have got Brandon out yeah, to the Renaissance right. fair. You would have been running the memes. I also, but, but like, but do you think you know? I I ha- I like. Charlie, Charlie's put in that position that, that I laid out a couple times of making that difficult decision. Like, is he going to second guess that decision publicly? No. Like, is he, you know, he's going to live with it and then he's going to move on, you know? It's a strong case. Yeah. So it w- was, was Dave meant to represent part of your bottom two or three here? No, you or mentioned Dave, Dave's it. in the middle. Who who is your actual you bottom it. two or three? Um, so me. So I would be like the bottom. I would put myself at the bottom of the list. Um, I'm gonna say Bill. A little bit of projection. I think Bill and I see the world in a similar way, and see work. In a similar way. And I think, uh, but so I could, I, so I admit that's a little bit of projection, but like, I think Bill, I'm, the, the image I, I have in my head when I put Bill there is what, like, he texted us all a picture of his setup, like, movie night with like candles everywhere, right? This is a man, this is not a, this is not a man who, wants to work 20 hours a day dealing with like only the worst of his city. Um, you know, uh, it's just, that's, it's not Bill. Um, that's to say he couldn't do it, but like you got to, no, you, you clearly have an do. amazing crop of potential mayors just in this, in this chat group. So yeah, obviously everybody's an, an A and yeah, Lee. you still have to rank them. Yeah. And then Lee. Because I have uh, on brand, I have to like shit on Lee, but also like Lee would, Lee would be like, remember that dude that is like the congressman or governor of like Montana to like body slam that reporter? Yeah. yeah. Like that would be Lee. Like you'd start <laughs> pressing him and he would just like, it's like, this guy's wrong. I'm going to kick this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to th- I'm going to start throwing some bows. That's right. He, he would, yeah, wouldn't, it wouldn't go well. Well, I, I think that's a good list. I am somewhat impri- somewhat surprised. I did say earlier in the podcast that I cannot talk to strangers, and yet I still didn't make the bottom three. So that's pretty <laughs> good for me. Uh, but on the whole, I, I think it's a good list. It's time for our last segment. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah. So you didn't watch it. Um uh, so it's a, so it's a, a genuine, I guess, a, a, uh, a real plug or something. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I guess you could watch, you could watch it for three people. But anyway, there's a movie from, um, the eighties, uh, called Running on Empty. Um, which I don't know whether, I don't know whether that's named after the Jackson Brown song or not, but 
Um, it's a Sidney Lumet movie, which is, um, you know, I think he only made, made good movies. Uh, it's true. Stars Judd Hirsch, which is, uh, uh, you know, awesome. River Phoenix and, um, uh, otherwise has a good cast as well, but, um, it's about a couple who, uh, perpetuated or who committed some kind of a weatherman type, um, domestic, you know, anti-Vietnam or domestic act of domestic terror in the sixties and who have been on the run ever since. And it takes place in the, at some point in the eighties. Um, at this point they have two, uh, kids, one, you know, elementary school age and one entering high school. That's a Phoenix character. Um, and they are constantly on the run. So they go to a new city, they town, city, whatever. They set up a new life. Kids go to school, fake identities and stuff. And you learn, like, early in the movie, you see that, like, well, they, they, then something happens, the FBI, like, is onto them, and they gotta just pick up and move, right? Um, and then the movie, so the movie is about, okay, but what happens when you're a teenager in high, uh, and, a pro- and, and a promising teenager, it's, it's, the River Phoenix character is like an, uh, piano prodigy who wants to go to Juilliard. Um, but like what happens when that's your life, but you're a teenager and you're like falling in love and dealing with like, and you know, making new friends at school and like all this normal stuff. Um, and, and then like the question is put to you and then what, you know, what do you do? And it is, I, 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 every time I talk about it, I'd say it is maybe a perfect movie. Um, it is so moving. It's so well done. It's like, and, and there's these little moments of, um, like, that are, you know, not in service of the plot that are just like, you know, kind of, they're, they're these beautiful little moments like, um, uh, the family, you know, the family's like has a, has dinner and then they're, they're doing the dishes and they're all dancing to like, um, some James Taylor song, which, you know, I don't know about you, but like in terms of like parents trying to pick a, some music to play when the kids are around and they're like trying to have like a family music moment, James Taylor was like the go-to, right? Um, <laughs> Like, I distinctly remember my mom at some point. There was, like, we were watching TV. There was a commercial for James Taylor's, like, James Taylor was, like, coming to the outdoor amphitheater in St. Louis. And she had this, like, wistful look in her eye. And she was like, it'd be fun if we went and saw James Taylor as a family. Um, And I I have this distinct memory also of thinking to myself, like, there's no way in hell I am ever going to see like uh James Taylor with my mom period um but anyway and um you know the Judd Judd Hirsch and Christy Lottie are dancing with their kids to you know 
outside, fire and rain or whatever, in the midst of this like, you know, big thing. And and just as a movie about like how, you know, politics and like personal collide, you know, and, and one impacts the other and like there's no actually no distinction. Um it's incredible. It's an incredible movie. And I'd never heard of it. It just showed, like, it was on the Criterion channel. I was, like, flipping around. Then it looks interesting. It's like, how, how is that, how does that movie exist? And we're not all talking about it every day. Um, so that's my plug. Everybody should watch it. It's an incredible movie. It's a hell of a plug. I will acknowledge that when you mentioned it to me, I was like, I don't know what this movie is. But, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I know that it is, available for rent for $3 on Amazon and I believe other things as well. And I will so, pay anyone oh, listening. Oh, this is perfect because I was just $3. about to say I'm going to rent it if, and watch it before the next episode. But now you're going to pay me to watch it. That's even better. You have to prove to me that you rent it and you have to tell me that you watched it. I'm oh. not going to like test you. Let's We'll and give that to any listener who wants it. Yeah. And then in, in addition to that, all the more reason you should watch it. I'm going to watch it before the next episode, and I'm going to talk about it some more on the next episode. There so you if you're out there and you want Mike to give you $3 and you do especially enjoy the next episode, not this one of Sauce Talk, boy, what, what, what a deal this is. That's right. How many people can take you up on this? I mean. The whole group, right? I, like yeah, I, you know maybe you're not, to make it you're easier, doing, you should send me thirty dollars. Right? Like, What's that? You're not doing unexpected numbers on this podcast, right? What do you expect? Fewer than a hundred. You would spend three hundred dollars on this project. Yes. yes. Insane. It's a wonderful. Movie. I'm going to do a new I weather underground and blow movie. you up if you got money like that to throw around. <clears throat> no, I just I love this. <laughs> I love this movie. Must be a hell of a picture. I'm excited to check it out. Uh, I'm thinking 20 people tops. Like, is is really what's in my head. You get that. You get that mayor money, and now you're just like 60 bucks on movies I don't watch. That sounds fine. No big deal to me. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds great. We're all very excited. We're all going to watch. I'm going to watch it, and uh, some of you should watch it too. That movie's called Running on Empty. That's right. You heard it again. You got it locked into your brain. Start thinking about how you're going to tell your wife, girlfriend, significant other, boyfriend, husband, whoever. Like, oh, I don't know why, but uh, I think we might put this movie on tonight. Don't say sauce talk. That's not going to get you anywhere. Just tell them Michael Huber's going to give oh. us $3 if we watch this movie. And if, if you, you have to prove to me that you rent it. You have to send me the email. You don't have to prove to me that you watch it, but you have to, like, tell me, you know. Like so at the, at the very least, everyone should pay the money and get the email receipt and have Mike pay you. And then if you don't bother to watch it, at least you stole money from Mike. Yeah, but you would also be lying to me because you have to say, I watched it. You have to you have to say that. So, you, so that's your choice. Okay. I will say anybody who then emails me and says they didn't watch it, I'll give you a dollar fifty. So you come out ahead if you light a mic. 
I'm going to watch the movie. I, I'm not a liar, but some of you liars out there in the audience might like that. <laughs> Mike, I've had such a wonderful time talking to you this evening. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, John. This was this was a blast. Best wishes in the intervening days.